You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. You opened the cards, have your points, and now it's time to book and plan your trip. But where do you even start? If the idea of booking your trip and planning what you'll actually do while you're there overwhelms you, keep listening as we share some tips to make it a little easier. Welcome to the Travel Hacky Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are Travel Hacking Moms. In today's episode, we are covering how to actually book and plan your point and miles vacation. So let's get to it. Or one of the most popular questions we get is, do you book your hotel or your flight first? So I'm going to go ahead and say that it depends, which I know is everyone's favorite answer to this question, but it really does. If there is a specific hotel at a destination that you really want to visit that is a very popular hotel, then that is an instance where we would probably book our hotel first. An example of this would be like the Grand Hyatt Kauai. That one is very popular. It often sells out pretty far in advance of award nights. And so that's an example of a hotel that I would personally book before I book my flight. On the other hand, if there is a specific flight that you want to book, for example, if you want to fly Qatar Q Suite, or if you want to fly Emirates First Class or Singapore Suites, that is an example where you definitely want to book your flight first because it's pretty difficult to find availability for those. And so you're going to kind of want to plan your trip around when you are able to find availability on that specific flight that you want. Sometimes we do both at the same time or, with, or on the same day or within days of each other. It really, really just depends on the situation. So, Alex, what is an example of, you know, a time when you have booked your flight first or your hotel first? Yeah. So whenever we go to Hawaii, I always, always book our hotels first because there are so many airlines flying to Hawaii. A lot of times you can find like some pretty decent redemptions. So I'm always booking my hotel first because that's going to be the hardest like piece of the puzzle to figure out. And then from there, like we'll, we'll, we can figure out different options for flights. Now on the flip side, like when I go to Europe, pretty much every time that we've gone, we do our flights first because often like I'm wanting to fly business class and sometimes it can be hard to especially I'm at least wanting to do business class there because it's that overnight flight and I do not sleep on economy flights it's it's very unfortunate if you can I'm extremely jealous of you because I get no sleep so I really love being able to save my points and miles for business class flights to Europe and in that case I am it's a little bit trickier to find availability. So I'm looking for those flights first. And then from there, I, you know, and sometimes when I go to Europe, I'll be going with my mom and sisters and there's a group of us. So we will sometimes stay in an Airbnb. And that is a lot easier to find availability for an Airbnb because I'm not like stuck with there's just this one hotel that I really want to stay at in Europe. And so that's kind of how I do Europe. Now, when I went to the Maldives, that was a tricky one because 
I had Qatar Q suites I wanted to fly, which that's really hard to find availability. And I wanted to book this Marriott Le Meridian and I wanted to get an overwater villa. And that can be hard to do. And so that was one of those times where I'm looking at Qatar Q suites, I'm finding flights, I'm not booking them yet. I'm then hopping over to Marriott's site and trying to find the days and oh, maybe the days don't match up perfectly. So I'm going back to Qatar or back to, actually I booked it with American Airlines. So I'm on the American Airlines website. I'm back there and it's just like going back and forth a lot and it can kind of make your head spin a little bit. But some of these vacations where they are really popular destinations, you've kind of got to do a little bit of both at the same time. And that worked out. It's just kind of, I think a lot of times when you're booking award travel, it's kind of like putting together a puzzle. Totally. Yeah. What about you, Jess? So I will say, I think more of the time I book my hotel first, just in general, because I find it easier to change or cancel hotel reservations than I find it to change or cancel flights. And so that's the nice thing about points and miles is like, I can just cancel my hotel most of the time and just get my points redeposited. So it's pretty low risk for me to book my hotel first. All like nine times out of 10, when I'm flying Southwest, I am booking my hotel first because Southwest doesn't release their flight schedule until five or six months before. And I am a planner and like I need to have my stuff locked in before five months, you know, because a lot of the times I'm traveling during peak times too. Like as of recording, as of recording this episode, Southwest has not yet released their flights for the holidays. But like if I was traveling, you know, around Christmas, I would have booked that hotel already. So yeah, that's how it is for us too. Like we're planning a trip to Cancun and we've had the hotel booked for months. So far, we only have our flight to Cancun booked because the flight's coming home. The schedule hasn't been released yet. And so, yeah, we have to do that quite a bit as well. So some of like the most recent examples is like we went to Disneyland and we went to Huntington Beach. And those are both instances where we book our hotels first because we were flying Southwest. And I was like, I'm not waiting until five months before this Disneyland hotel is going to be sold out of award nights. So that is a recent example. What about you, Pam? Well, as we all know, I'm the grandma in the group, a little older. My knees hurt. I have to have that business class seat. And so I am, especially if I'm going to Europe or Asia or somewhere, I'm going to try to find my flight and worry about my desk, my lodging later. I will sometimes, just like we talked recently about a trip that Alex and I took on Emirates First Class, and we booked that with not having any idea where we were going. Wasn't that long ago that I got notice that Etihad Apartments was opening up some availability. And I've traveled on Singapore suites. I've traveled in Emirates first. I was supposed to do Cutter Q suites, and then they changed the plane on me, which I'm still miffed about. But so the the Etihad apartments opened up, and I'm like, I got to do this. No idea where I was going to go. Not a clue. I just knew that from London to Abu Dhabi, I could get an Etihad apartment. I can't even remember what the, I, I want to say it was like 60K, I, but don't hold me to that. But it was an unbelievable deal. And my one of my daughters lives in London. So I called her up. She was almost asleep because there's a time difference. I says, 
do you want to go somewhere with me on this amazing trip on an amazing flight, but I'm not positive where we're going. And originally I thought we could go to the Seychelles and then it looked like, yeah, that's not working out so well that it's really a long flight there. So I think we're going to stay in Abu Dhabi. They've got some really nice resorts that we can stay at. But that is an example of of deciding on a flight and you don't even know where you're going. You just know you want to go on that particular flight. So that's not uncommon for me to do. Okay, so now let's kind of talk about how we book different things. So I'm going to kind of go over how I search for domestic award flights. So what I will do a lot of the time is I will just start with Google Flights. So I will hop on a Google Flights. I'll put in my home airport, where I'm going, the dates, all of that. And then what that will do is it will give me an idea of what are even the flights that are available and what are the flight times that I like. I'll also check Southwest because Southwest... Google Flights doesn't really have accurate Southwest details or then they don't also show like pricing and all of that. So I will check Google Flights and I'll check Southwest. And then if I see flights on Google Flights that look good, for example, I fly out of Salt Lake. It's a Delta hub. If there's like a good Delta flight, I'm like, oh, these times are good. I like this flight. Then I'll go to the Delta website, see how many points it is and kind of go from there. So that's how I do. I feel like booking domestic flights is pretty simple. One thing you're going to want to know is, you know, if you have transferable points like Capital One, Venture Miles, Chase Ultimate Rewards, Amex Membership Rewards or City Thank You points, you can transfer those out to lots of different airlines. And you might not realize which of these airlines Google's showing you that you can use your points for. So we have a transfer partner cheat sheet. And we'll put a link in the show notes for that. So what I'll, sometimes what I'll do is if I'm like, okay, there's a Delta flight here. I don't have Delta miles. Let me look at my cheat sheet and see which, you know, points from what bank I can transfer to Delta or what points maybe, maybe I don't even have points that transfer to Delta, but I might have points that transfer to an airline that's in the same alliance as Delta. So from there, for example, Air France is one of those. I could say, okay, well, I'm going to look at the Air France website and see if they have this flight available. And it doesn't always work, but it's just kind of a nice option, a nice option. So if you're wondering where to get where you can transfer your points, make sure to get that cheat sheet that we've linked in the show notes. And I and I'll do the same thing with international flights a little bit as well, but I feel like domestic is for sure the most simple and 9 times out of 10 probably I'm flying southwest, especially if my family is coming cuz we have companion passes, so that makes it really easy. Another thing that I'll do is I will use the flexible date calendar, like on the Southwest website, where you can see the whole month at a time. And so even if my dates are really pretty specific, but even if I just could vary it maybe even by leaving a day early or coming home a day later, you can save a lot of points by using, sometimes you can save a lot of points by changing your dates only by even a day. So I always recommend using those flexible date calendars. Most of the airlines have those so you can, you know, potentially save more points. So how do you do it, mom? You're like the queen of international flights. You're off seeing the world a lot more than I am. So what do you typically do to find award availability for international flights? Well, I'd say for economy class, it's really easy. You're going to find lots of seats in economy. So if you're flying economy, and I just want to say until... I was in my 50s. I always flew economy. I was fine. I could fly 
from San Francisco over to see my daughter in London, and I could get a little bit of sleep and not a lot, but I always did that. You know, that was fine. So there's nothing wrong with flying economy, and it is really easy to find award seats for that. If you want business class, which is what I want now, it's a little more interesting. I think that it's, for me still, I live near a really big airport. I live near Denver, but I still can't find the best deals out of Denver. So I do a lot of positioning, which is taking a cheap flight to a different airport, not even, you know, lots of times it's, I go into Chicago, I go into JFK, I've gone into Houston, just that has better flights for what I'm where I'm trying to get to. And so I do a lot of that. I too will look at Google flights, like you said, Alex, to get an idea of some of the airlines that uh, serve some of the flights where I'm going. And that's always kind of a good jumping off point. I would say throughout my travel experience, I've probably flown United since I live near Denver and that's the hub more than any other flight internationally. So if you've got a lot of points, I've applied for every single credit card you can get from United, some more than once, you know, so as my husband, that that's a great way just to look at wherever you have the points. Now, United just did devalue their points. It's not going as far. So I was just looking at flying from Chicago to Athens and economy on United. And the cheapest flight I found was around 40,000 miles. But the interesting thing is that I could go on a partner airline on a different site of Singapore, and I could fly that exact same flight, a United flight, and it would only cost me 30.5K thousand. So that's something to really keep in mind. And as Alex said, our transfer partner and airline alliance master list is huge. I still go to that. I use that all the time. It's hard to keep all these things in your head, all the best deals. And so if I'm looking at that and I've got a lot of Amex membership rewards, I'll look at it and I'm going to Asia. I'll go, okay, what airlines will fly to Asia? And I will look at one of those. Or if I'm flying to Europe, which ones will go to Europe? And so that sheet helps me continually. And the other thing is with United, I mean, United devalued all their flights to Europe, including business class. But you know, if I'm going to pay 40000 for economy on United, I'd rather just fly business class on a different airline that isn't that much more. Like I could fly Turkish Airlines from Chicago to Athens for 45,000 miles in business class. So like, yeah, I'm going to take that over 40000 on United. So that's the thing is like, could I survive an economy? Of course, like I could absolutely do it. I've done it before. I did it recently coming home. It's really just those overnight flights, like Alex said, because I'm terrible at sleeping in economy. So, you know, if I can get if I can get a lay flat seat for not that much more than economy, then like that's what I'm going to do. And, and, you know, I totally, completely agree with that. I think that one of the things is that business class requires a little more flexibility if you're booking international business class. You're not going to find that Turkish 45K all the time. And so that's going to be harder. So if you're not flexible and you can do economy, you're going to find plenty of seats. Practice really helps you know some of the sweet spots. I like to fly Air France a lot into Europe. Air France to Paris is really inexpensive. I just recently booked a round trip ticket, ANA, for my sister and I for 88K 
uh, round trip going to Europe and back, but it was hard. I spent, like Alex talking about days, I spent days working on this. And then I'm going there again, and I tried to find that same deal and couldn't find it. So it's not super easy. It's like Alex says, it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together when you've done it. It, the rewards are incredible. It's so exciting when you've actually done it. So we really like Fifth Freedom flights when we are traveling internationally. There is one on Singapore Airlines from Houston to Manchester that I have discussed before that is one of my favorites. And no, we don't vacation in Manchester. We just take the flight from Houston to Manchester and then sort of use Manchester as our jumping off point for wherever else we want to go in Europe. There's one Emirates from JFK to Milan that we've all done. There is Singapore from JFK to Frankfurt. So we have a blog post about Fifth Freedom Flights if you want to look at that. Another thing I want to say is that JetBlue is really stepping up their game with flights to Europe. And so they have a lot from, well, not a lot, but they have, they're, they're really stepping it up from JFK and Boston. I think they're flying to London, Paris, and Amsterdam now. And so... That is another really good option, especially if you want to fly economy, like with JetBlue's pricing. I find them like sort of similar to Southwest. So I feel like with JetBlue miles, you could get a decent deal to Europe now that they're really stepping up their presence. So that is another option. So another thing that I like to do, because I feel like it can just save me so much time, is choose a service like PointMe or AwardLogic. These are both paid services. The plans kind of vary, like you can sign up for a month plan or even a day pass. And what you do is you just do a search, just like you would on Google, except they're going to pull up for you award flights. And you can base it, sometimes you can even put in the points you have, so it'll only show you the results for flights you can actually book. And it will just save you an insane amount of time. Instead of searching each of these websites or each of these airline websites individually, they know the airline alliances and how everything works. I will say I don't think they are perfect. They don't come and give you back every, all of the results, but I have used both PointMe and AwardLogic and have had success with them. Um, another option is there is another website called Rome, which does the same thing. I haven't used it yet, but it's free. I know. You've used it and said that it works well, right, mom? Yeah, I thought it worked really well. And I mean, you can't beat the price. So I would say if you're starting out in this and you're like, okay, I want to, even if it's just economy and you're like, I want to book these flights. I know this is about when I want to go. Or even if you have set dates, I would just hop onto these, these search engines and not even go through the trouble of trying to figure it out yourself, especially like I'd start with Rome since it's free. And see how it goes from there and just save yourself a little bit of the headache. You know, I know how to book things fairly well and I know what works for me to get to certain places, but sometimes it just is difficult. And when that is, I still go to those those sites and they are they're great. They work really well. Yeah, I would say like for myself, I'll usually start with United and Air France. And kind of go from there, like check those airlines' websites, just because those are the two I'm most familiar with. But if I'm struggling and I'm not finding anything, I'm going to go to those websites. Another thing that we we both, I think all of us do this, is we you can subscribe to a subscription service to get alerts for award flights. So one of the ones that we, I, I think you all have it, I'm not sure, I know Jess does, is straight to the points. 
this is Spencer. He puts out a newsletter. When, here, he has a newsletter you can subscribe to. And when there are award flight deals, he will send you that newsletter. And, you know, I'm not going to go and book every single one of them because he, he does a great job and sends out quite a bit. But if you have some level of flexibility, a service like that could be helpful for you where you're not having to go and search for these deals. They just kind of show up in your inbox. So I, I like that, too. I have his and the only trouble with them is I get a little bit FOMO. I see this great deal and I'm like, oh, I, oh, I think I should book. And I'm like, you've got a really full year. Are you sure you should book? But it does give me some FOMO because it lets you know of these great deals. I 100% think people should subscribe to some sort of a uh, subscription service. Yeah. And I would say for these subscription services, like straight to the point, it's business class alerts. And so if that's your what you're looking for is business class, then that's would be really helpful for you, I think. Another thing that you can do is to go on to our website and check out our destinations and our reader success stories. We are constantly writing about the trips that we take and how we made them work with, our, with points and miles. And some of our readers, they write, have done some really great deals. And I think you'll get a whole lot of ideas if you look on our website also. Okay, so that was a lot about flights. I hope all of your heads aren't spinning. I will say a little plug. If you have our course of Word Travel Academy, Module 8 is all about booking a word travel. And we have a lot of videos that like walk you through how to do a lot of things. So that can be a huge help for you. So yes, check that out. We're going to move on from flights though and talk about how to book hotels and find hotel availability. So Jess, do you want to kick that off? Yes. And it's, I find hotels not as complicated as flights. So that is good. So I will say 90 8% of the time, we book a hotel directly through the hotel's website. The one exception for me is if I'm trying to use my $50 Chase Sapphire preferred hotel credit, then I will book a one-off hotel through the portal. Yeah, I will do the same thing like with my VentureX credit. From the, the $300 travel credit that comes with the VentureX card, I booked hotels in that as well. But I'm with you like the only time that I probably would do that. Yeah. And the thing is, when you book a hotel through a portal, you are not guaranteed to get any elite benefits or elite night credits for those stays. And so that is the main reason why I don't do it, because I'd rather just book directly and get my credit for staying there. There are exceptions where like you can add your loyalty number at the check-in and they might be okay with it. But I think you should just be under the assumption that you're not going to get credit for it. And if you do you just got lucky. So that is the thing with IHG, Hilton, and Marriott. We book directly with that hotel using points we earn from our co-branded credit cards. So like I'm going to a Kempton soon. I opened the IHG Premier credit card. I got the points and then I redeemed them directly through the IHG website. Same goes with if you were trying to book a Hilton or a Marriott hotel, you're going to want to go directly through their website. And then with Hyatt, we also book directly through the website for awards days, but most of the time we are transferring points from Chase to Hyatt. So we pretty much only use our Hyatt cards when we are staying at a Hyatt to cover any incidentals or if we happen to pay cash for that night because it didn't make sense to use points. But other than that, we're not really using our Hyatt cards just day to day. 
other nice thing is that Hilton and Marriott have flexible date calendars. So you can use those to find the cheapest date for wherever, whichever date you're staying. Because with Hilton and Marriott, they have dynamic pricing, which means that the price goes up if or the points price goes up, if the cash price goes up and vice versa. So being able to use the flexible date calendar is really helpful. Hyatt, unfortunately, does not have that yet. I keep hoping that they are going to release something like that. They do have a points calendar that you can view, you know, how many points it's going to cost for the nights you're looking at, but it doesn't show actual availability. You have to search those dates. So that makes it a little bit more complicated. One of the newer websites I've discovered that quickly become my favorite is called Max My Point. It can help you find award availability with, I think so far it only has Hyatt, Hilton, and Marriott. So it does not have IHG yet, but you can use it to search award availability. I pay for the pro version of it. I think it's like $7.99 a month or something. It's pretty cheap. So I can set alerts to send me emails when dates open up. There's also a website called Open Hotel Alert that is free that allows you to set alerts either via text or email when a hotel that you are interested in booking has award availability that opens up. So those are both really good options. I will say Max My Point is not like 100% accurate, but I love being able to just like scroll through all the months and see when there is availability. Like it's super, it's super helpful. So I, so I start there and then once I see that, I'll go to the actual hotel website and confirm that those award nights are actually Yeah, I completely agree with you. Max, my point has changed my hotel searching life. It just makes it a lot easier. Another thing too, I do not understand why IHG does not have any sort of calendar. It is a real pain to search for nights with them because sometimes like if I'm planning a trip for, you know, pretty far out and I know like, oh, maybe my husband and I want to go on a trip next summer, I can go to Hilton Marriott and be like, yeah, I got three months to work with here. And, you know, if I want to go, if I know my dates are just sometime in the summer, I can go and be like, okay, I am going to just choose the cheapest nights that I find in those three months. But with IHG, you're just like, okay, search in each night. And it just can be pretty time consuming. So I have found sometimes where like IHG has like if you search and it's not available there will be a little button that says like view available dates that you can click yeah like why don't they just always have it yeah I feel like I have to first search a date that's not available to get that option to pop up it just it won't just like be there from the start so I don't understand it it is really frustrating okay so last up we're gonna talk about like planning what to actually do on your trip I feel like this is one where a lot of people feel just kind of stuck and overwhelmed with. I think it actually paralyzes people. They get like analysis paralysis to even start planning the points part of their trip because they're like, I don't even know where to go or what to do once we get there. And so I will say I am not amazing at planning what we're actually going to do on the trip because I haven't had to do it a lot because I am very spoiled. And when I travel with my mom, she usually has it all figured out. She's just so good at figuring that out. Usually what I'll do is if I find some things, I'll just have a note in my phone with like, let's say we're going to Kauai, for example, and I've seen other people on Instagram posting about it. I'll be like, okay, this Kauai restaurants, activities, and I'll just start making a list. My personality too is like, 
depending on the type of trip, if I'm going to Europe, I'll usually have a little more structure of like, okay, this is what we're going to do these days. But like when we go to Hawaii, I kind of just like to play it by ear. Like that day, wake up. Okay, here's my list of activities we could do. What should we, what sounds good today? What's the best for the weather that we have going on or, and things like that. So I will say when my mom and I, we just got back from Switzerland, I used chat GPT and I just typed in. And if you don't know what chat GPT is, it's, it's like Google on insane steroids. And so I just typed in to chat GPT. Give me a three-day itinerary for Orselina, Switzerland. And it literally, like, so fast, it's typing out day one, da-da-da-da-da-da, day two, da-da-da-da-da-da. And, like, we actually used the things that it said. And I, when we got to the hotel, I asked the girl that was working at the front desk, like, oh, like, what are, what are some things? And she said the things that ChatGPT told me. So that might be kind of a go-to thing for me now is to just ask ChatGPT to give me an itinerary. And at least it'll like give me a little bit of a jumping off point. We didn't do all the things it said because we were like, we kind of just want to relax on this trip. But if you're a lazy and feeling overwhelmed about trip planning trips, you might want to try chat GPT. What about you, Jess? I love Airbnb experiences. I have used them several places. We did one in Paris. We did one in Venice. I did one in Athens. I did one in Santorini. So I have done a lot of Airbnb experiences and I love them. I love being able to go with someone local, you know, who can really show you like some more off the beaten path things that maybe you wouldn't be able to find on your own. We did a dessert tour in Florence that was amazing with, a with you know, a local who took us to like the places where she goes. You know, it's not the places you find on like Rick Steve's book. It's like the actual places that the locals go to. So I thought that was really cool. I love doing Airbnb experiences. When you do those, like, do you have certain criteria you're looking for? You're like, oh, do they have, I know if you're staying at Airbnb, they have a super host. Do they have like super experience or super guides? I don't think they have titles like that, but there are reviews that you can read, you know? And so it's kind of like, you know, go, you know, I try to pick people with like four or five stars and you can kind of read, you know, like just by reading the reviews, you can kind of get a sense of like what you're going to be doing. So I really like those. I have, this is going to shock no one. I have a Google sheet for each trip that I'm going on that has all of my details in it, like a template with where I'm staying, my confirmation numbers. I now share them with Alex and Pam before I go on a trip so that they, because Alex used to text me like, where are you today? What are you doing? Where, where are you? Like what, what city are you in? So I just started as a matter of course, I share them with my mom and with my second mom, Pam, and with Alex. And that way everyone knows where I am at all times. But yeah, so I use that and I just have the Google Sheets app on my phone and I just pull that up. There's a ton of like apps that do it now too. I have not ventured into that yet, but the last thing I do is literally just asking friends or family who have been there. The, the nice thing about being in the travel community on Instagram is a lot of people have gone to a lot of places. They save things to their highlights. We we always save our trips to our highlights. So I will just go back and like watch highlights of people I know who have been to those places and kind of see what they've done and what they recommend. One thing I've noticed from your Google Sheets that you send us is you do a really good job, I feel like, of having, I don't feel like you overplan your days. Like you'll have 
a big activity or one like usually I feel like you usually have like one big thing and then the rest is kind of like, okay, we're going to fill the time with whatever we kind of feel like doing. I hate being overscheduled like that is that like that's just my life. I hate being overscheduled, but especially on trips because I don't want to feel so rushed that I like need a vacation from my vacation. That's why that's another reason I love staying at luxury hotels is because like I like feeling like okay this is like relaxing and I can like leisurely wake up and then do one big thing but not have to be like constantly going from place to place to place like that is not I know some people thrive in that environment but like that is not my idea of a vacation well and I remember like one of your favorite hotels is the Park Hyatt New York and I remember when you said you're going there I was like what you're not even in a hotel when you go to New York you're off seeing the sights and we actually my mom and I just got back from New York We'll talk about it later, probably, but we just stayed one night at Park Hyatt, and I was like, okay, I get it. This is so nice to just, like, relax in the hotel room, get room service. Like, I get where you're going with that because I typically was the same. Like, okay, we're in, like, Athens. We got to get all the things done in Athens while we can be here and see all the sites. And so I didn't really care where we stayed, but now that I've gotten into this world of luxury hotels that I can stay at for zero dollars I am totally get your obsession with like hotels like the Park Hyatt New York because you're like I'm going there to relax too the other thing is it's a mind shift change with points and miles because I know that I can go back to these places before I started travel hacking I was very much a like I can't relax I need to wake up you know, when the sun rises, I wake up and I don't go to bed until 10 p.m. And I try and pack as much as I can into this trip. But now it's like, okay, Italy. Yeah, I went there and I'm gonna go back. And so I don't have to like run myself ragged trying to fit everything possible in. I'll just go back another time and do other things then, you know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I love that. It's just another one of those times where you don't even realize another benefit that I hadn't even thought of with points and miles. What about you, Pam? How do you how do you plan your activities? Well, young Pam was definitely OCD and she was going from morning to night, seeing everything she possibly could, hardly saw her bed. But definitely as I've gotten older, I found that I don't need to go quite full speed ahead. And that it is nice, you know, even sometimes when I've gone with my daughters, Alex and stuff, sometimes I'll say, oh, no, you girls go ahead. I'm just going to hang out here for a little while. And I found that I can take it at a little slower pace. One thing I really rely on a lot is when I go somewhere new is I like to use Get Your Guide or Viator or something. I like to take a tour. I like to get the lay of the land. I like to hear about the history. I've taken a lot of this, uh, is it called Santander? There is a service in almost every big city where you can take a free guided tour. We did one when we were in Edinburgh, and that's really nice. You just, you know, tip them according to, to what you want to tip them, which is usually pretty good. But I really like that personal touch from someone that lives there that tells you the history and shows you kind of where things are. I've taking, taken one thing that we just found on our recent tour in Edinburgh is we found that there, that TripAdvisor you, they has some audio tours that you can take. At least that's where we found it was on TripAdvisor. 
And so we did a Harry Potter tour and we just downloaded it to our phones and it took us all over the city and we looked at all the Harry Potter sites in Edinburgh and it was that was really fun. So I do like to usually take some sort of a tour that lets me know something instead of just touring it on my own and not getting any history or any education about it. I have used a site before if you want to be busier and kind of have things laid out. It's called Visit a City, visitacity.com, and I've used it quite often. I do did tend to overschedule myself with that a little bit. But you can actually put where you're staying, uh, and then you can say when you're going to start your date. And they give you suggestions, kind of the top suggestions. You put in how many days you're going to be there, and they will kind of give you a, a daily itinerary. And I will look at some of their suggestions and go, yeah, I don't want to go to that museum. And so then I'll look at some other things they have and say, oh, okay, that church sounds good. I think that I'll put that in there. And they work around when things are open. And so they won't let you schedule something during the time that it's closed. It is a really cool site. I haven't used it for probably about a year. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, I got to go back to that. It's, 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 a real, it's a really neat site for figuring out what your itinerary should be because they'll give you suggestions for the, the best things to see in each city. That sounds really cool. I'm going to have to check that one out. I remember that, and I think we did do it for Athens, and it really does simplify. Instead of having to go all these different places to figure out what to do, it's like, okay, this one website will help me do it. And I agree with you, Mom. I love doing those walk free walking tours or downloading an audio guide from, you know, one of those on an app on your phone and plugging your headphones. We did that in Split Croatia, and we loved it. Like, it was so nice. I will say we actually did our last day there. Typically, we love to do it the first day because then the whole rest of the time you're kind of seeing where you're visiting with like knowing a little bit more of the history and it kind of gives you the lay of the land and all of that so you can kind of enjoy it a little bit more your whole time. All right. Well, we hope this episode has helped give you some ideas to make your next award redemption and trip planning process just a little more simple. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to check out our course, Award Travel Academy where we have an entire module all about booking award travel with step-by-step videos. You can learn more by visiting the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet-setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you.